everybody welcome back to the podcast daily it is monday it is time to start the week and that is bill landis and i am austin ward and it was an eventful weekend for ohio state both the former players heading to the nfl draft or signing uh, free agent deals to head to the next level and uh, some work on the recruiting and portal trail for the buckeyes so we're going to get into all of that to get uh, the week started and bill i think probably the number one headliner was not the NFL draft. It was an Ohio State legacy making his intentions known that he was going to join his brother and follow in the footsteps of his father. Yeah, Lorenzo Styles uh, coming home. I guess, or Lorenzo Styles Jr., I guess I should specify, coming home. The father, I think, is out of eligibility. Um, although, why not? <laughs> still in school. He's still That's in right. school. Still in school, and there are no rules. So if you want to try to sneak him out there, uh, why, why not? Uh, no, Lorenzo Styles Jr., uh, coming from Notre Dame to Ohio State to play cornerback um, is interesting. I <clears throat> when you start when we first started hearing rumblings about this, I mean, and then I mean rumblings this year, not not last year. Um, it didn't strike me as like a need, um, or I was perhaps a bit nervous of like looking at the the math and seeing like okay, like you're going to potentially bring in a corner when you have limited spots and like you definitely need an offensive lineman. Seems like Ohio State's not worried about any of that. They just wanted to bring Lorenzo in, so so they're doing it. And I know I like the idea of of adding that kind of athleticism to the secondary. I, I don't know. He's got two years basically to figure out how to play cornerback at, at the Division One level. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think he's got some intriguing traits to him that that probably can can make it work. And um, Ohio State's secondary, I think, should always be willing to bring in. Uh, guys with that kind of athleticism and, and basically just see what happens. Like, I think it's it's certainly worth a roll of the dice because you know there's nothing you have to worry about from like the family standpoint, the character standpoint. You know all there is to know about the Styles family, and and it's always good to bring I think a legacy back into the program. So um, we'll see how it goes, but but I think it's an exciting addition. Yeah, it seemed like the only ri- quote unquote risk to this move was if Ohio State was unsure, which I don't know why it would be at this late date. You know the transfer. Portal uh, declaration deadline closed on Sunday, so Ohio State had a good idea of what its numbers were going to be uh, when it took Lorenzo Styles Jr. But the, like, let's say a week ago at this time, when this was first becoming a more serious possibility, and really this is about the third time that this conversation has come up with the family in Ohio State and him playing cornerback uh, back with the Buckeyes. But the, the number was. Like, the issue was trying to figure out how that worked. If you were trying to add an offensive lineman, if you had any interest in adding a defensive tackle uh, and Ohio state had you know, visitors on both fronts over the weekend, could you make those numbers work? I guess there's a possibility that Lorenzo styles jr. Could come on the short term uh, and be a walk on if need be, because he wants to be back. He's coming back home. There will probably be some NIL opportunities. He's an you know, in-state kid. The, the price tag would be different. I think in at some point the numbers for a scholarship are going to almost certainly present themselves. But either way, Ohio State felt like through the combination of players who had already departed prior to the weekend and the potential for some medical hardships that they would be able to add all three without any concern. So once that part of the picture was cleared up, you can say, okay, well, there's not any necessary downside here. You're not going to cost yourself one of those other positions that you may want to add. It's not an instant impact play necessarily, certainly not at cornerback. Maybe there's an opportunity for Lorenzo to uh, return punts or kicks that might be appealing. You know, we know he's not going to play wide receiver. He had already started making that transition over to corner uh, during spring camp at Notre Dame. But 
there there may be some short term value there on special teams. We'll see. Uh, in terms of defense, it's definitely uh, more likely to take time for him to make an impact there. I I was watching um, like some of what he did in high school as a defensive player. A, a lot of his highlights are receiver highlights because that's clearly what he wanted to do coming out of high school. But he was a really good defensive player uh, in, in high school as well. He played like it seemed like he was playing a fair bit like down near the line of scrimmage sometimes. Like I, it, it just made me wonder like okay. You're going to put him at corner. I wonder if there's some like nickel versatility or I don't know about safety, but if he can maybe thread a little bit of that needle, they seem to be interested in where a guy with cornerback skills can play that safety position, but he's not afraid to kind of like stick his nose in um, and, and play closer down to the line when, when need be. So um, I don't know. It's it's exciting. I, I don't. I don't want to see Ohio State like fall into a routine of like, hey, this guy used to play offense. Let's try him with defense now. This is now the third time they're trying to do it. And and I think at a certain point you want to recruit defensively well enough where you don't have to do it out of high school. Um, but I don't think there's much of a downside to it. Like you said, uh, it does get them to eight cornerbacks as we record this, which is, is the number that they want. Um, they added Davis and Iguanosin in the first transfer window. Now they add Lorenzo that puts them in eight corners. Um, we'll see what they bring in potentially in the 2024 recruiting class. And maybe like if Denzel Burke goes, maybe you, you soften that blow a little bit now with, with the addition of Lorenzo and like uh, the, the timing of it is interesting for me too, because, and I'm sure we'll get into some of this maybe, but we're coming off the NFL draft where, Ohio State again did not have a defensive back drafted and I'm looking at the last the last 3 draft eligible recruiting classes 2018, 2019, 2020 have yet to produce a drafted defensive back and if you project it out forward it's probably those three classes are probably only going to generate one in Lathan Ransom maybe Josh Proctor but probably only one with Lathan Ransom that's odd. That's weird. I don't know how that happened. And I'm not saying that Lorenzo Styles is going to be an NFL defensive back, but he has the athletic traits of one. He's like a four, four guy coming out of high school. He's pretty tall. He's long. He's, he's um, uh, fluid in his motions. Like there's NFL upside there too. And I don't think something happened where they, they lost that kind of player in the secondary. And I think at this point, as they're trying to build that back up, like if a guy who has that kind of upside wants to join the fold, I think you have to say yes. Obviously, you, you you vet all the other stuff, but there's nothing else to worry about with Lorenzo. And he has the, the on-the-field stuff that I think you're looking for, and they need to uh, re-infuse the, sec- the secondary in particular with NFL-caliber guys because I don't know, like we're suddenly three years into not really having that, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it's uh, definitely crazy, and it was probably not the ideal – weekend for Ohio State in the NFL draft. Thursday night went quite well for them. And then there was a lot uh, of sliding and, and questions and, and some guys that wound up uh, with undrafted free agent deals. We're going to come back uh, to that transfer portal conversation. Players had until you know Sunday night to make their decision. So we'll get into that on the podcast daily uh, on Tuesday. Once the dust settles, uh, sometimes it can take time for those names to pop into the portal. But we'll look back on what happened to Ohio State's roster and any potential moves that may still be out there for them uh, on Tuesday. Uh, But Bill gave us an excellent transition into what happened in the NFL draft. And and some of – Berm and I were in St. Louis for one of those things that you're talking about with an Ohio State defensive back, cornerback, um, you know, falling out of the draft. That was not a a fun experience to be in the room. uh, And you can sort of project that out, like what happened with Cam Brown – and what was happening surely with Ronnie Hickman. Um, they at least, you know, they Tanner McAllister as well. He thought that he had done enough on pro day 
to get an opportunity maybe to have his name called. It was a sobering reminder that it is still very, very hard to get drafted, even if you are an Ohio State player, an Ohio State starter, a proven performer at the Power 5 level. Uh, there's a reason that they throw out all those stats about the number of guys who don't go pro in their athlete, uh, or as an athlete in those NCAA commercials that were so uh, ubiquitous for so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not – there were there were a, a lot of good players, not just at Ohio State, who didn't get drafted. So, like, I don't I don't mean to paint it as, like, an Ohio State-specific problem or even or even that it is a problem, but, you know, we talk about o- Ohio State here, so we're going we're gonna to highlight that. Um, I think maybe the most damning part of all of it is that like, I'm not surprised that it happened. Like it, it was, I thought like the cam getting drafted. And as I said on the show, we did like Thursday afternoon. Like I thought there was a chance Ronnie wouldn't get drafted. And um, it does make me almost, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I feel like if Tanner, Tanner McAllister had gotten the combine invite and was put through the paces that's like, it's, it seems to be a different process when that happens, sort of regardless of the caliber of player you are. If he had been put through the paces that way, I feel like he would have maximized those opportunities probably better than his defensive back counterparts who ended up not getting drafted. Um, just like talking with him at the at the little pro day they did, the mini pro day they did at Ohio State, and then seeing how he performed there on the real pro day at Ohio State, like he was pushing really hard to chase that dream. It didn't happen for him, but like his athletic testing was pretty good. I'm assuming the film like wasn't great for NFL teams. Um, but then it turns out that like all three of them end up, end up not getting drafted anyway. So I guess it didn't really matter. Um, and it made for like a weird third day of the draft with those three not going. And then Dewan Jones slipping into the fourth round and Luke Whipler like falling, like, I don't know, way farther than I thought he did. I don't, I don't know. Like what, what did you make of the, the Luke Whipler thing? Yeah, I look, I wonder about the quality of the advice that the Buckeyes got either from their agents, from their families, from anybody else. I don't I, – I'm sure that let's look at the offensive line, that Justin Fry and Ryan Day, they're not going to beg guys to stay. Like, it is good for the program when they go to the NFL draft. They're not going to stop people from pursuing their dreams. I, I, I bet pretty confidently that they said, well, just because somebody told you that you might be the number two center taken or that – your film from the last two years means you could sneak into the first round as a tackle doesn't mean that that will happen. It's a lot easier to look at only the best case scenario and not the worst for these decisions. And we now have the benefit of hindsight, but there was so much element of risk, especially for Luke Whipler. His decision was very surprising um, to Ohio state and it, came about relatively late. I don't know who told him that he may not even be upset about it because he did still get his name called and he's going to have an opportunity to compete uh, in a training camp moving forward to make a roster. Like maybe that's fine with him. I, I feel like, especially in the new era of name, image and likeness and the amount of talent that was coming back for Ohio state, uh, the spot where these guys did wind up being drafted, that it would have been more appealing for them to stay, not just for the, you know, well-worn boost your stock next year but just like making some money and still playing and competing and then potentially also maybe making more money a year ago Duan next year had never had any plans to come back for another season but he could have Luke Whipler was widely expected to did not 
Ronnie Hickman made up his mind before November 26th, which was the most staggering thing of all as his his play was starting to slide and it became pretty clear that he wasn't going to be a first a day one or day two pick and maybe not one at all, which wound up being the case. So that's the part that I'm I don't know if concern is the right word. I, I'm interested in for Ohio State because I don't know how you fix it. Though you don't want to stand in their way, but also like clear, you know, educational insight and advice could have helped both the Buckeyes and these players. I think there's an important lesson there in like listening to the NFLPA when when they tell you that you're not going to be a first, second round pick. Like I get that it's probably not what you want to hear. Um, but like, especially now that the game has changed, like you can make money now if you're not going to be. And like, I'm not, I'm never going to say like, oh, this person made a mistake for like trying to chase their NFL dream. Like there's plenty of guys who uh, get drafted in the sixth round, don't get drafted at all and and make it in the league for a long time and make a tremendous living. Um, so I, I hope that happens for, for Luke and like the Juan Jones was drafted in the fourth round. Like he's, he's drafted on, on fringe starter territory anyway. So it's not like he, he fell off the face of the earth here, but, um, I don't, I don't know what the answer is either. I, I do wonder if, if there are guys on Ohio state's roster, just like, or any roster, but to use Ohio state as a specific example, like they see this happening. If it, if it gives them any more pause now moving forward now that, cause this is, I know NIL has been around for like two-ish years now but this felt like kind of like the first draft cycle where guys really could have had decisions to make whether or not to take that NAL money and stay and try to improve your draft stock or just go chase the NFL because that's what you want to do um, now that there's sort of data points with that maybe it could make a guy or two more likely to stay if they're a fringe candidate um, moving forward which I think is maybe better long term for, for college football um, perhaps for the players themselves. Like, I don't know. There's no guarantee that Luke Whipler would have improved his draft stock. Had he come back? Maybe the NFL would have always looked at him as a six round pick and a guy who was more of a backup than he is a starter in the NFL. Um, but you know, he could have tried to strain for something greater than that while also making money at a place like Ohio state. And that could be useful information for, for players in the future. Yeah, I guess the reason that I say that it's not necessarily a concern or a worry for Ohio state is twofold. A, what you said it's their decision, it's their dream, it's their professional aspirations, and whatever they decide they want to do is what ultimately matters most. Uh, the second part is that Ohio State had several other situations like this where Cade Stover or Tommy Eichenberg or Lathan Ransom were weighing their options and could have gone and elected not to, probably for this very reason. There's uncertainty, and the way Ohio State as a whole – Let's include the collectives in this conversation just for the sake of uh, of conciseness. They're more likely to bring money and support to their current players. They do that at a level that is, I've been told, higher or more competitive than anywhere else in the country for the current roster. We've talked ad nauseum about what that means on the recruiting trail and what Ohio State can or should do there. When it comes to guys who are there and who are weighing NFL decisions, and this came up even at the very top for C.J. Stroud and Paris Johnson, go say, hey, is there anything you can do to make this easier or more comfortable for me to stay so that I don't have to take that risk and can stay at Ohio State for another year? And I can tell you with a lot of certainty that that did happen for some of those guys that were wing and on the fence. So there was success as well for Ohio State when it came to retaining the current roster. We're going to look at these cases that didn't work out 
for Ron. I mean, Luke's again, like I said, he may think that's totally fine. Ronnie Hickman may be happy that even if his name didn't get called, that he got to sign a contract and gets to go to training camp. Like, I'm not saying that they are unhappy with that uh, or that it didn't work out in in their best interest or what they wanted, but I know that it was uncomfortable in the Brown household. That wasn't the way that they were planning to spend their Saturday afternoon. So I, I think that it's it's fair to look at it as a mixed bag and that maybe this will continue to work in favor of Ohio State and contain and keeping guys in the fold because they already did do that in a handful of key examples this offseason. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not like super I'm not privy really to the conversations that Ohio State had with these guys as they were going through these decisions. But I'd imagine that Ohio State's coaches, like all they can do is be honest with them. And I I'd imagine that the coaching staff probably did not think it was right for some of these guys to go. Like and like Luke Whippler, I think Ryan Day was pretty it was pretty obvious that Ryan Day was quite surprised by that move. Um, like you said, like you don't beg them to come back. Um, you can't convince them of everything. All you can do is try to tell them the truth. And but if you do that and then it like sort of plays out the way that you perhaps um, laid out for them, I think that might help Ohio State too um, in, in the long run if, if future players see that and see that like the program's not trying to like deceive them and have them come back for their own benefit. Like clearly there is a benefit, but there can be a benefit for the player as well um, in, in this new era. But hopefully like all these guys um, are happy with how it went and, and I hope they have like you know long pro careers and can turn it into something for them it's cool that like half of them are going to get to play together with the cleveland browns because the cleveland <laughs> browns decided they were going to uh, draft and sign ohio state players now so uh i guess the the a large portion of the fan base that are also browns fans are going to get to continue to watch these guys too so that's cool yeah they didn't the browns fans fan base spend years be like hey why don't we just take buckeyes won't that improve the roster like what's wrong with this <laughs> well, they, yeah, they heard you. It took them a few years, but they finally heard you. So, um, it's cool. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know the Brown. Like, I don't follow the Browns. I don't know what they need. But like, I, I guess it's possible that like in a couple of years, their starting offensive line features Luke Whipler and Dewan Jones, and that's kind of fun. Yeah, that would be. Uh, anything else jump out to you over the weekend? Uh, people are already talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> on the NFL draft show, which is like not surprising, but like. It's funny to me that that's how we're killing time now on day two and three of the draft is talking about the guys that are going to be there next year. And uh, it it further solidified for me that if quarterbacks didn't exist, Marvin Harrison Jr., I think, would be the first pick in next year's draft. There's a lot of uh, conversation about that, isn't there, already? I mean, yeah. are mock drafts just going to be really easy for everybody? They're just – all the, everybody that's doing next year is going to put Marvin at number two? Like, it's just – you don't have to think about it? Yeah, two or three, I guess, depending on what you think of Kayla Williams and Drake May. Um, it is funny to me. I, I will tell Ohio State fans right now, they're not going to have eight first-round picks next year. Like, no. <laughs> there's 2024 mock drafts that just plug in five stars based on where they're ranked out of high school uh, is not going to be uh, how it goes uh, a year from now. Because if you go back go back and look at last year's and see how many Ohio State guys they had in the first round, um, it's lazy. It's lazy work. So uh, I think Ohio State's going to have a – I think they're going to have a really good draft class next year. Um, and maybe we can save that for a, a topic of discussion at, at another time as we put a pin in this, put a pin in this episode. Uh, but they're not going to break a record, I don't think, for first round picks in 2024. No, but the overall size of the class, when you start to put the picture together, is pretty staggering. Um, that yeah, could be it is. something special and something that Ohio State is going to need to maximize this year. Oh, I can't say championship or bust on May 1st. That's too early. But. <laughs> 
boy, are the pieces in place for that. We'll talk about that uh, later in the week, perhaps, or the month of May as it goes along. It's it's finally here. Uh, cue up your Justin Timberlake sound bites and enjoy the first day of May. Thanks for spending part of it uh, with Bill and me here on the podcast daily. Uh, we'll be back in Roosters later on today. We'll have the live show in the Horseshoe Lounge and then uh, the podcast daily for the rest of the week, plus some talking stuff uh, with Berm will be coming as he uh, sets the scene for this month ahead too. So look look out for all that, and thanks again for joining us. We will talk to you later.